send your friends and family to Jesus Christ. Amen. And our scripture, our anchor scripture is coming from Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It talks about four friends who took one of their friends to Jesus Christ. So Mark chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Amen. Father, we pray that you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a story of four friends who carried their friend who was a cripple to Jesus Christ. The first sentence is, And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, after many days, it was heard that he was in the house. Now, the city of Capernaum was a place that Jesus was very familiar with. And the people around Capernaum were also very familiar with Jesus Christ. When you read from Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt and dwelt in Capernaum. Capernaum was the place where Jesus started his ministry. If you remember from the book of Luke, the Bible says when Jesus, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, when he went into the temple, opened the book and read from Isaiah and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. After he did this, the people in Nazareth got angry and they threw Jesus out of the city. And so when they threw him out of the city, the next place, or he relocated to Capernaum. So Capernaum was like the center where Jesus started his ministry from. And so it was a place that he was very familiar with. It was a place that the people around were very familiar with. Now, when you read the Amplified Classic, it mentions that the house that Jesus was gathered, or the house where Jesus was this, at this moment, could have been Peter's house. So it was a place where the other disciples as well were very familiar with. It was like their hometown and they knew the place very well. When you read other gospels, it mentions that Peter's home is Bethsaida or Bethsaida. But that um, Bethsaida is like six miles away from Capernaum. So it's a very close place. So Jesus came to a place that he was very familiar with. But the Bible says the people were gathered to him and Jesus preached the word to him. This should encourage us that when we go to places that people know us, we should not be ashamed to speak the gospel. Now you might think that Jesus was a Messiah and so the people were going to listen to him. But at some point, the people even questioned the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. His own people. They rejected him. They didn't accept his ministry. And so it's Difficult to minister to the people that you are familiar with, your friends or your family, who especially knew you when you are an unbeliever. Whatever you tell them, they will think you are joking. 
but that should not deter us from ministering to them. It is important that as we have come to Christ, we remember our friends who are still in the world. We remember our family members who are not saved. Because if we believe that salvation is important and that one day we are going to stand before the presence of God, and whoever does not have Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior will not make it to the presence of God, then we should be concerned about the salvation of our friends and our family members. And so Jesus came to a place where he was very familiar. He probably had friends and families there, but that was the place that he had this meeting. And the Bible says, immediately when he had come to this place, the people were gathered to him. There were multitude of people who came to listen to Jesus Christ. If you follow the ministry of Jesus Christ, one thing that you know is that everywhere Jesus went to, there were multitudes who followed him. It, in fact, it is the desire of God that his house will be full. And so when you read from the book of Luke, the Bible tells us that there was a master who set up a banquet, invited people to come to the banquet. The people who were invited did not come. And these people represent Israel. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. So the people who were elected and invited to the banquets, they did not come. So he told his servants to go to the street, to go to the highways, and compel the people that they might come in. The word compel there is anagazo. That is compel. You use force. Amen. To bring the people in, that his house may be filled. So it is the desire of Jesus Christ that his house may be filled. If you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, wherever he went to, wherever he had a meeting, there were multitudes of people who came to listen to him. When he had a meeting at the seashore, the Bible says there was no, there was no room enough for him to stand. So they had to put, push a vessel to the sea so that he would stand in and preach. When he came to Peter's house, According to the Amplified Classic, the Bible says there was no room enough. Even when he went to the wilderness, the Bible says the multitude followed him in the wilderness. Wherever the presence of God is, it attracts people and it draws people. Amen. And so that is why I believe that even as we have started this church and we continue to glorify Jesus, he's going to draw people, he's going to attract people to come and join us in our worship. Amen. Amen. And so the Bible says that there were multitude of people who gathered with um, um, in this particular meeting. Now we have to understand that at this time there was no TV, there was no radio, they didn't have any form of advertisement, they didn't have posters, they didn't have flyers. So how did the people know that Jesus was in the house? How did the people in the village know that Jesus was around? And so let's come and join him. It was through the word of mouth. Somebody invited one person. Another person invited another person. People invited their friends and their family members that the Messiah is here. Come and let's go and meet him. The Bible says there were multitude of people who came. And one of the most effective means of evangelism is word of mouth. One-on-one -on -one invitation. We thank God for television. We thank God for the internet. We thank God for YouTube and for Facebook. We use all these means to, to invite people. And of course, as we continue to pray, God is going to work through all these means. But the most effective means of evangelizing is through one-on-one -on -one invitation. And where do we start from? We start with our friends 
and our family members. Invite them to Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways that the early church um, grew or the early church expanded was through their word of mouth. In fact, they didn't even have speakers. They didn't have microphones. But they went about inviting people from house to house, telling them about Jesus Christ and inviting them. At a point when they were even being persecuted, the persecution did not deter them from inviting people to Jesus Christ. When you read from Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, the Bible says, And Saul was consenting to, the, to his death, that is the death of Stephen. And the Bible says that, And at that time, a great persecution, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And so there was great persecution on the church. So all of them were scattered around. They were running for their lives because at this time, Paul, who was Saul at that time, was arresting Christians and putting them into prison. And so they were being persecuted and they were running all over the place for their lives. The Bible says all of them were scattered. They went outside of Jerusalem, a set of the apostles. Only the apostles remained in Jerusalem. And the Bible says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and a great lamentation was made over him. Before this chapter, when you read chapter 7, Stephen had been stoned to death. And so this was the, um, the time that the, the believers went to bury Stephen. And the Bible says there was great persecution on them. And Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them into prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so because Paul wanted to arrest them and put them into prison, they were running away for their lives. But the Bible says as they were running for their lives, they were still preaching the gospel. Can you imagine that somebody who was right, if you are running away from an enemy, the wisest thing to do is when you get to a place, you hide so that the enemy will not find you. But these people... Because they knew the importance and the power that is in preaching the word. Nothing could deter them from preaching the gospel. So even though they were running for their lives, they got to a place where they are supposed to hide. They would rather come out in public, in the open place, in the marketplace, and begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. Because they saw the preaching of the gospel as a personal commitment, as a personal responsibility. Today... A lot of believers don't see the preaching of the gospel as a personal responsibility. Most of us think it is the responsibility of the pastors and the evangelists to preach. But the Bible says the people who were scattered abroad, they were running for their lives. But they went everywhere preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ. Because to them, preaching the gospel was a personal commitment. It was something that they had to do. It was a responsibility. And so when Jesus Christ was leaving the earth, he told his disciples, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. That instruction is not to pastors. It is not to apostles. It's not to only to evangelists. It is not only to um, um, teachers or prophets, but it's to every one of us as children of God to go out there and preach the gospel. The early church, one of the things that we see most in the early church is that 
they had a passion and a desire to tell everyone about Jesus Christ. That passion and desire is dying out in our churches today. Today, let's revive the desire and the passion to reach out to the lost. We have a lot of, um, a lot of things that are going to help us. A lot of, I mean, we have developed so much that we can even um, use tracts. We can use Facebook. We can use our Facebook walls. We can use whatever to just tell other people about Jesus Christ. Let's use all the tools that are available to us to tell people about Jesus Christ. These people didn't have a lot of tools. All they had was their voice, their feet, and their hands. Yet they traveled everywhere telling people about Jesus Christ because they saw it as a personal commitment. This morning, I want to encourage every one of us to see preaching the gospel as a personal responsibility as a child of God, as a Christian. It is a personal responsibility. It is your personal commitment to God not to a church, not to any man, but you are making your own personal commitment to God that, that you will help in the spreading of the word. So the Bible says there were a multitude who were gathered to Jesus Christ when he came to the house, when he came to Capernaum. And the Bible says there was no room for them. And what did Jesus do? The Bible says, and he preached the word to them. You see, these people who came, who came to Jesus Christ, they had so many expectations of Jesus Christ. Some of them might have heard that Jesus fed the multitude in the wilderness. Maybe they were coming for bread. Some of them might have heard that Jesus turned water into wine. So probably they were coming for wine. Others too have heard that he healed the sick and he healed the blind eyes. And so maybe they were coming for healing. But what did Jesus do? He preached the word to them. It is important that we exalt the preaching of the word above any other thing. Jesus saw that the most important thing for these people right now is the word. We can give everything to our friends and our family members. We can give them money. We can encourage them, wish them happy birthday when is their birthday. Merry Christmas when is their Christmas. When, when is Christmas or when we are all celebrating Christmas. But if we forget to give them the word... We have not done them enough good. The word must come before anything. You see, when we give things out to people, those things will perish with time. Those things do not have eternal value. And today, most people um, measure a good church by the philanthropic work that they do. A lot of people today measure a good church. As long as the church does philanthropic work, then it's a good church. I believe in doing philanthropic work. In fact, when you read the Bible, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good? That word good in the Greek is philanthropic work. So one of the main things of being filled with the Spirit is doing good to other people. And so it is good for us to do philanthropic work. But you don't measure a good church by the philanthropic work that they do. There are, there, there, um, there, there are people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. There is an occultic group who donates 100% of their funds to charity. Does that make it a good group that God will be pleased with? No. 
So we must exalt the word of God above every other thing. So when the, these people came to Jesus Christ, I don't know what they were expecting for Jesus, from Jesus Christ, but the first thing he gave them was the word. And so we can give our family members everything. We can make them feel comfortable. We can um, give them present when it's time to exchange presents. You see, one thing about our society today is we don't want to inconvenience other people. We don't want other people to think that we are weird or we are some way. We want to fit into the culture. But you see, we cannot fit into the culture. We are not called to fit in. We are called to stand out as believers. That's what the Bible says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't light, you don't put on a light and hide it under a table. When you turn on a light, you put it on top of something so that everyone will see the light. And that is what we are. We are the light of the world. That is why we must not dim our lives by trying to fit in and let society be happy with us. Everybody will not be happy with us if we stand for God. And that is okay. We don't have to please everyone. Amen. So the most important thing we have to give our friends and our family members is the word. If you know a family member, if you know a friend who is not saved, let that be in your heart. In this month of September, as we minister to friends and family, pray, pray for them. There's one thing a pastor said, that he invest and then invite. That you invest in them. Invest prayer in their lives. Invest the word. You can buy a Bible for them. You can buy, um, if they like reading, you can buy Christian literature for them. Invest in their lives and invite them. Amen. I think it's a good principle that pastor is using. Invest and invite. So let's invite, let's invest in them. Let them see our good works as well. It is so important. And then invite them. As I'm talking about it, I want you to just think about, find a way that you can invest in the life of somebody, a friend and a family member, and invite them. And so the Bible says that multitude heard about Jesus Christ and they came to this place. Even though there was no radio, Jesus didn't have any radio announcement. No TV announcement. He didn't have any posters, no banners, but multitude came to listen to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the place was filled and there was no room for them to stand. And so there were this friend who had a friend. There were five friends, but one of them was sick. He was a paralytic or he was crippled. He was paralyzed and therefore he could not come to the meeting himself. He could not come to the meeting himself. When I was thinking about the state of this paralytic man, one of the things that I thought about is that many unbelievers cannot come to church by themselves. In fact, they will not come to church by themselves unless somebody invites them. Many of them will not come. Some of them, they will never come. We have to take the church to them. That is why we do street evangelism. That is why we preach the word in the malls and in every marketplace. Because some of them, they would never come until we take the church to them. This paralytic man did not have the strength to come to Jesus Christ. So even though multitude were gathered, you would think that even though a lot of people are being saved in this generation, the gospel is being preached everywhere, on the internet, on radio, on TV. And therefore, you would think and assume that your friend or your family member has already heard the gospel. And so they will come when it's time. They will not come until you invite them. And the state of this paralytic man is the state of a lot of unbelievers. 
they will not come to Jesus Christ until somebody, like the Bible says, compel them to come in. So they had to compel their friend. They had to carry their friend. God bless friends like this who will bring their friends to Jesus Christ. And I pray that in this month of September, we will be friends like these four people who carried their friend and they brought him to Jesus Christ. A lot of people cannot come on their own. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, the eyes of those who do not believe are made blind by Satan, who is the God of this world. He does not want them, he does not want the light of the good news to shine in their heart. This good news shines as the shining greatness of Christ. Christ is as God is. So a lot of unbelievers, the reason why they cannot accept the gospel, the reason why they cannot come to Jesus on their own or by themselves is because their eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. And Satan is the God of this world. It will take you to pray for them that their eyes will be opened, that they will see the gospel. And it, ta- it will take you to invite them. If this church is going to grow, if we are going to expand, it will take our invitation, inviting people. You see, you don't have to do much. Just pray and invite them. You have done your part. And allow God to work on their heart. Continue to pray. Continue to invite them. Last night, I was reading a book on Anagazo, inviting people to Jesus Christ. And the, the writer of the book made a statement that really ministered to me. He said, if you cannot shamelessly invite people to Jesus Christ, then you are not qualified to be a pastor. I was like, wow, this is a very serious statement. And this is a man who has one of the biggest churches in the world. He says, if you cannot shamelessly invite people to Jesus Christ, then you are not qualified to be a pastor. That statement really ministered, ministered to me. And Maybe you are like me and you will, you will love to mind your own business. <laughs> you will love to mind your own business. But as long as you identify with the cross of Jesus Christ, you do anything for the cross. And so people will despise you. People will reject you. People will not accept you because you are preaching the gospel. But you know in your heart that you are doing for the sake of the cross, for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so don't be discouraged. Don't let that deter you from preaching the gospel. Because Jesus Christ was rejected. He was. He was rejected even by his own brothers. They did not believe in him. His own siblings did not believe. He died and resurrected before his siblings realized that, hey, our brother is really God. (laughs) And we have to respect him. And they came to salvation after Jesus Christ died and resurrected. And so it's okay to be rejected. The fear of rejection is one of the things that keeps us away from preaching the gospel. If we knew that everyone we approach will accept the gospel, (laughs) we will preach every time and everywhere, right? But the fear of the fact that they are going to reject us keeps us away from preaching. But Jesus was rejected and he told us that if the master himself was rejected, then when we are also rejected, we should count it all joy. Because for the sake of the gospel, you will approach a stranger and ask him a question. Have you heard about Jesus? I, I, have, I have encountered this so many times that I approach people and I want to tell, tell them about Jesus. And they will give me a certain look and a certain face. It, it's okay. It's because of the cross. If not for the cross, I'll just put my hands in my pocket and just walk. Mind my, my own business. 
But Bible tells us, like I said earlier, the early church saw preaching of the gospel as a personal commitment, a personal responsibility towards their Savior. And so they went everywhere preaching. Let's not allow the culture that we find ourselves in, the culture that wants to cancel our Christianity, cancel out anything that identifies with the name of Jesus. Let's not allow the, the culture to, to shut our mouths up. As they try to cancel us out, that is when we have to speak out louder and louder. That is how God has made us. When they were trying to shut up the apostles, the Bible says that Peter said, are we supposed to listen to men or supposed to listen to God? We would rather listen to God. So the Bible says that these four people, four friends, they went on top of the roof. They uncovered the roof and they dropped their friend in the presence of Jesus Christ. They had barriers to overcome in bringing their friend to Jesus Christ. One of the main barriers was the crowd. The crowd prevented them. Listen, if you want to minister the gospel to any friend, to any family member, there is a barrier that you have to overcome. And you have to be determined that you are going to overcome the barrier. So these friends, even though there was something preventing them from bringing their friend to Jesus Christ, the Bible says they went on top of the roof. They uncovered the roof. It means that they had to inconvenience themselves to bring their friend to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to go through inconvenience so that others will hear the gospel. Are you ready to go through that inconvenience so that your friends and your family members will hear the gospel? They, f- they climbed on the, onto the roof. They had their reputation at stake. When people saw them, they would imagine, what are these guys doing? What are they trying to do? They had their reputation at stake. They even had, it could, it could cause them If the owner of the roof says, my friends, you have to replace the roof, that was going to cost them money. If it's going to cost you money, if it's going to cost you reputation, it's going to cost you inconvenience, you have to do all it takes to bring your friends and family members to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? These guys have so much faith that they believe that if we are able to bring our friend before the presence of Jesus Christ, he will walk. Because they were not thinking about their friend being carried on the mat back home. They knew that if we are able to drop him in front of Jesus Christ, he was going to be healed. And so they brought him out of the roof and dropped him in front of Jesus Christ. They were not thinking about the cost. They were not, they were not even thinking about the fact that Jesus could rebuke them and ask them, why are you interrupting our meeting? But you see, Jesus Christ also saw the, saw the importance of a soul. The soul was more important than the roof to Jesus Christ. The soul was more important than the organized meeting. When Jesus saw them open the roof, he said, your son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't even address the roof that has been opened. He didn't even address the fact that these people were, because he was preaching. Can you imagine? You go to one of these wonderful, beautiful churches and you open the roof and bring down your friend. <laughs> the, day that, the way they are going to rebuke you. But Jesus was not thinking about all these material things. The soul was more important to Jesus Christ than having an organized church meeting. And that is what we should think about. The Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, you have gained nothing. The Bible say, tells us that we should not be ashamed in this adulterous generation to tell people about Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us again that Jesus saw their faith. He saw the faith of their, friend, their friends. He didn't see the faith of the man who was sick. But how could these guys believe so much? All they were trying to do, I believe that they decided in their heart that if we could only bring our friend before Jesus Christ, if we could carry him this one more time, we will not have to carry him the rest of our lives. Let's just carry him this one more time. We are already at the door, but we cannot get in. So let's go on top of the roof. Let's do all it takes to bring our friend before the presence of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want us to have the hearts of these four friends who are ready to pay every cost to bring this friend to Jesus Christ. In this month of September, as we remember our friends and family, I want you to think about one friend, one family member who is not saved. Make it your goal that you are going to bring that person to Jesus Christ. How can you do that? Pray for them. Pray for them every time. Invite them. Share the word of God with them. You can talk about everything with them, but find a way to share the word of God to them as well. Because the Bible tells us that nothing can be compared to the salvation of a soul. I believe that one day you don't want to get into heaven and look around and not find the people who were your family members on earth. When we get into heaven, we are all one family. But definitely, we'll remember our friends, the people who were our friends, the people we had fun with, the people we grew up with, the people who were our family here on earth. We would love to see them in heaven. And what will be more, I'm sure that you'll be even more happy in heaven to know that somebody made it to heaven because of you. To see a friend in heaven and know that it was because you were obedient to the gospel and you took the word to him. Like I always share this testimony. There was a guy that I ministered to. I preached a word to him. I went for a wedding and I met this guy. He was a pastor. And I was so happy. And I was just thinking to myself, this is how it's going to be like in heaven. When you see somebody that you, you had to walk to that person, that person was even avoiding you, but you still went to that person and you preached the gospel to the person. And today I, I saw him and he was a pastor. I was so happy that this man has accepted the gospel and he's now preaching as well. I believe that is how it's going to be like when we go to heaven. And we know that the people who are our friends and our family members, we spent our lifetime investing and inviting them to Christ. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to look at one more story of somebody inviting their family member to Christ. So these are friends who sacrificed everything to bring their other friend to Jesus Christ. They carried him. I believe they were sweating, but they didn't care. They carried him. They cut. I don't know how they carried. Some, maybe somebody put, somebody put him, one of the friends put him at the back. And they managed to put this guy on top of the roof. Open the roof. And then dropped him before Jesus Christ on a rope. The Bible says that friend was healed. And when Jesus Christ saw him, the first thing he, he told him is, your sins are forgiven. The most important thing on earth is the forgiveness of sins. 
the most important need of every man is not clothes, it's not food. Clothes, food, and every other thing is important. But the most important need of every man is the forgiveness of sins. That our sins will be forgiven and will be reconciled with God. That is the most important thing. That is the reason why Jesus Christ died. He died so that our sins will be forgiven so that we can be reconciled to God. And so when our sins are forgiven, God comes to live inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. We are reconciled. He wanted us to be one with Him. And so you can provide food to people, provide clothes to people, but the most important need of every man is forgiveness of sins. And so as we do good works, let's not stop there. Let's find a way to give the gospel to people as well. Amen. And as a church, we believe in philanthropic work and we are going to do philanthropic work, but it should be our ultimate goal that we bring the gospel to the people of this community. Amen. Right, we're going to look at one more story or two more. In John chapter 1 verse 40, the Bible tells us that one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. So when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says that one of the people who heard John saying that this is the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world was Andrew. And Andrew happened to be Simon Peter's brother. So the first thing he did was to go to his brother, Simon Peter, and told him, and he told him that we have found the Messiah. And he brought Peter to Jesus Christ. It took Andrew to invite Peter to Jesus Christ. But after this encounter, we don't hear a lot about Andrew. The next time we hear about Andrew is when Jesus Christ performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. But we hear a lot about Peter, even after the death of Jesus Christ. But it took Andrew, who, had been, who has been quiet after inviting Peter. It took Andrew to invite Peter to Jesus Christ. If Andrew had not taken the step to go and invite Peter to Jesus Christ, Peter would not have fulfilled his calling. Peter would not have been the one who preached on the day of Pentecost. And people are calling Peter the first pope today. Peter wouldn't have been the first pope if Andrew had not invited him. Andrew first, Bible says, he first went to his brother and he invited him. Immediately he encountered Jesus Christ. The first thing he did was to go and invite his family member. He had found the Messiah. He knew that they had been waiting for the Messiah. He knew that Peter himself was also needed to meet the Messiah. And so as soon as he heard about Jesus Christ, the next thing he did was to go and invite his brother. Importance of salvation is that when God saves one man, he saves the whole family. He used that one man to bring light to the whole family. And are you going to be that one man in your family? Are you going to be that one woman in your family who, who will invite the rest of the family to Jesus Christ? When Andrew heard about Jesus Christ, the first thing he did was to go to his own brother, Simon, and he invited him to Jesus Christ. 
Let me read just one more, and then we're going to close. First John, for, um, for, I'm sorry, John chapter one, verse forty-three to forty-six. The following day, I mean, it's in that in the same chapter. The Bible says, "The following day, Jesus went to Galilee, and he found Philip, and said to him, Follow me.'" Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, "We have found them. We have found him of whom Moses in the law." And also the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. And so when Philip also heard about Jesus, when Philip was invited by Jesus Christ, the next thing he also did was to invite his brother, I'm um, sorry, his, his friend, Nathanael. When you read the gospel, anytime you, you hear about Philip, the next person you hear about is Bartholomew. Bartholomew is the same person here as Nathaniel. When Bartholomew is mentioned, Nathaniel is not mentioned. Philip and Bartholomew were friends. And so when he heard about Jesus Christ, immediately he went to his friend. And he told his friend that we have seen the Messiah. And what did Nathaniel say? He asked him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? These are the questions that we'll have to answer to our friends. Because they have questions, they have doubt. They won't just follow you because you said they should follow you. They will argue with you to some point. Sometimes they will argue with you. But believe in the power of the word. Believe in the power of prayer. Philip just told him, come and see. That is all you have to tell your friends or your family members. Come and see. Many times you see a lot of people responding to the call to come and see in the Bible. Let's invite our friends and our family members to Christ. Let's just tell them to come and see. And when Nathaniel came to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ told him that Nathaniel, before when you were sitting down, before Philip called you, I already knew you. All our friends and family members, God knows them. But Jesus Christ did not go himself to go and call Nathaniel. It took Philip, who took a personal decision that I'm going to invite Nathaniel. It will take you who will decide in your heart that I will invite my friend, I will invite my brother to Jesus Christ. And nobody will be rejected when they come to Jesus Christ. Look in the Bible. Everyone who was invited to Jesus Christ was never rejected. None of our friends, none of our family members are disqualified from coming to Jesus Christ. All of them are the reason why Jesus Christ came to die. If the gospel will travel to your home, if the gospel will travel to the homes of your friends, it will take you who is already welcome in that home. If the gospel will get to the lives of your friends, it will take you who already have a place in their lives. And so God is expecting you. There are some of your friends that I will never reach. No pastor will ever reach them. But God is depending on you. He's depending on using your voice, your hands, and your feet to share the gospel to those friends. So let's make a commitment this month to share the gospel with our friends, to our family members. I know probably there are people that you have been praying for. Let's continue to pray for them. In this month, as we declare this month the Friends and Families Month, we are going to concentrate on the salvation of our friends and our family members. And believe God 
but he's going to save and deliver them. And so I want all of us to commit to prayer. Maybe sometimes it's important if you have um, a book, a prayer journal, or you have a diary, just write their names there. Pray for them every month. In the, the, the rest of the month in September, pray for them. Believe God for their salvation. Believe that God is going to touch them and reach them. And they are going to be delivered from the power of Satan. And they will give their lives to Christ. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in your presence and to receive your word. We thank you, God, for your instructions this morning. Father, we pray for the boldness. We pray for the grace to be able to reach out to our friends and to our family members. We thank you, God, that even as we speak the word to our friends and our family members, we thank you for the transformation in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Amen.